0: Hello, thank you for tuning in to Mojedes in the Know. Hey, y'all, how's it going today? Hope everyone is having a great weekend. And thank you so much for tuning in today's podcast, the first episode for season four. You're probably wondering, wow, Natalie's voice sounds super different. And y'all are right. My name is Maritza R. Lubers, and I was a special guest in season three, episode six. And I'll be hosting the first two episodes in season four for Natalie. As you can see, I'm a little nervous, my first time doing it, do you know what? That's what it's all about, taking a risk, getting out of your comfort zone and doing something different. For this episode, we are going to have an amazing special guest, Olivia Limas Lucio. She is currently the Director of Development and Donor Services at the Food Bank RGV here in Far, Texas. She's going to share her story with us and tell us more about her experience as a Director of Development and Donor Services and working with the local nonprofit organizations. So let's go on ahead and bring her in. First of all, thank you so much, Olivia, for being a guest on the podcast. We cannot wait to hear what you have to share with us. So with that being said, you ready? So the first question I have for you will be, I'm so nervous, but I'm super excited that you're joining us. Where were you born and raised? And can you share a little bit about your upbringing? And do you have any siblings? Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much, Marisa, for having me. I'm so honored and excited to be uh, on this podcast with you. You're doing such an amazing job. Um, and so I'm so, so happy and excited. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, a little bit about myself. So I was born in Guadalajara, Mexico. And I was raised here in the Rio Grande Valley in McAllen, Texas. Um, I spent most of my middle school and high school in Far Texas. So um, I've lived a little bit everywhere um, within Hidalgo County. I mean, Edinburgh, Mission, uh, FAR. So I really like to say just McAllen um, in general because that's that's most of the the years. I mean, mo- most of the years that I was here in the Rio Grande Valley have been in McAllen. But I come from a family of six, um, and that includes two sisters and three brothers. And so I'm this the second eldest. You know, we grew up both of, you know, coming from an immigrant family both my um, dad and my mom one of the most hardworking individuals that you know that I know and you know we're, we were um raised to kind of have that mindset of hard work and dedication and so both my sister uh my oldest sister and my and myself and my youngest sister we kind of have that uh mindset of being very persevering um being very dedicated. And so um, as a child, I uh, witnessed my parents work arduously just to ensure that we we never went without. And so always pursuing a higher education was definitely the topic of conversation for us. And I was, you know, not only because it signified, you know, success and that economic stability, but I really think that it just symbolized that unfailing sacrifice that they had made just to leave their home country and to just promise us a better um, life and so that definitely has been a part of my, of my upbringing and and what really motivates me and so I'm just very excited and honored to be here with you.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that, Olivia. That is such an amazing story and journey that your family has you know, um, gone through and following up that about education and pursuing, you know, the greatness, you are the current director of development and donor services for the food bank RGV. Can you share what your experience has been like in your role and how long have you been in this role? Absolutely. So
1: my journey at the food bank of the Grande Valley, um, actually began, um, as a volunteer back in 2018, I was asked to join the food bank's fundraising committee for Empty Bowls. It's pretty much their largest uh, and most successful fundraiser of the year, and so I completely and irrevocably fell in love with its mission and just the continuous uh, transformational impact that uh, it has on thousands of people every single week within the Grande Valley. And so. You know, moving forward a year later in 2019, I was offered the opportunity to join their leadership team um, to establish and spearhead a successful and robust um, and high performing volunteer and donor relations program. Um, That, you know, the goal before I actually established this this program was to try to get at least 5,000 new volunteers a year. And, you know, I'm I'm very proud to say that after that one year of of establishing that program, we were able to recruit over 15,800 new unduplicated volunteers in that year. So I'm very, very proud of how that um, turned out. And so, you know, in August of, of 2021, you know, tracking back, you know, two years later, I was appointed as the Director of Development and Donor Services in charge of fundraising um, over $3.6 million and pretty much leading all of the food banks fundraising efforts um, and everything that you know is that entails the development department we have six sub departments um, that constitute you know the entire uh, development department and so you're looking at the grants and the advocacy the volunteer services the donor services um, special events marketing and communications and of course our corporate and annual giving and so what I like to do to pretty much, how I like to describe what the development department is about is it's it's pretty much the economic engine to our food bank. And without this economic engine, you know, we're not able to run as efficiently as possible. So. The development department is pretty much the entity that ensures that we are taking care of our donors, we are taking care of our volunteers, that the community is aware of what we do, that you know we're building these community partnerships where we have you know local retailers that are uh, donating more product to us because it means that we're receiving more pounds of food and we can issue that food out to our agencies and then to our clients. And so if we're not able to establish these Um, strong relationships within the community then those 76,000 people to you know up to 125,000 people that we serve on any given week would you know be detrimentally affected and so it's definitely a lot of weight on our shoulders of my team and I yeah so um, I'm very proud um, you know to, to have this opportunity to work in an organization that does just so much for our community so
0: I'm definitely very very proud. And We are completely, definitely proud of you. Knowing you, you've done such an amazing job and spearheading this. So with that being said, what has been the biggest challenge you have faced when you started in this role? And how did you overcome them? Yes, absolutely.
1: So, you know, one of the biggest challenges that I encountered when I first began my role as DOD was to lead change in this new era of COVID-19. And by change, I mean I really think that the pandemic affected every single person in one way or another. So, you know, in our profession in the nonprofit sector, change can often feel very scary and uncertain. And, you know, leading my team through so many different fundraising hurdles was was truly a challenge because we had You know, we had a way of doing things and then all of a sudden, within weeks, we had to pivot, we had to think creatively, we had to adapt, you know, the, the old, our old ways of fundraising had, you know, become obsolete, you know, that was no longer going to work, you know, but we still needed to ensure that the money was coming in because you know, clients were expecting to receive that food and we, you know, we don't move the food, we don't purchase the food. we don't have a mission, right, we, we, we don't exist. And so we really definitely had to kind of, you know, think really creatively, really understand what we needed to do, um, especially during this such a challenging time. And so not only, I mean, did I have to, you know, lead them into this new change, but I also had to ensure that I was, you know, validating their feelings of uncertainty. Where I wasn't just saying, "Well, this is a change; you have to deal with it. Let's go with it. Let's, you know, let's continue to move forward." I mean, I needed to ensure that I was validating those feelings and making them feel, you know, like this. You're not alone. I mean, we're all going through this. You know, your your fears are being heard, and you know, we we will get through this one way or another. We'll find a way to ensure that you know we're meeting our our, our goals and um, we're meeting those financial milestones that, you know, we had set to ensure that we were meeting those budget requirements. And so I really think that helping them find those positives um, within this moment of adversity, moment of change, I really feel like they've definitely become more, more resilient and we've become more resilient as a department. And so I think, you know, me internally, the way that I was able to kind of bring them in together, especially you know coming in th- with this new role. Um, the way that the structure is for my particular department is very different because it is all made up of managers. And so I have my grants manager, I have my events manager, my volunteer services manager, uh, my corporate and annual giving manager, my communications and marketing manager. And so they're all so used to working so independently and I am not at all a fan of micromanaging. So. I understood that coming in into this type of environment, you know, where they are so used to working independently and, you know, they all know what they need to do and whatnot, but still bringing them together and, you know, kind of evaluate where else we can kind of work together to ensure that as we are going through this change, we're helping one another professionally grow and develop. But me and internally as well, I was also dealing a lot with that, you know, the imposter syndrome. And I feel like that's a big topic. I've heard a lot of people talk about it. My colleagues, um, we talk about it, too, with with my leadership team. And so finding ourselves with that moment of self-doubt where you are asking yourself, am I enough? You know, is this something that was, you know, was I put in the right position? Am I doing the right thing? You know, am I, you know, I, I found myself questioning my own skills and, my own judgment as far as like some things like we, you know, overcome this challenge. And then days later, there was there was another one. And so really kind of taking a moment of reflection. And I really feel like the one way that I was able to overcome this, you know, this moment of self doubt and kind of just, you know, questioning myself was really taking a, uh, the time to step back, reflect on what I had done, what had led me to, you know, where I was and how, you know, this certain position or this certain opportunity was never something that was given to me. You know, I earned it. And I feel like when we as women or just anybody within the professional sector or personally, you know, even being, you know, stay-at-home mom, that's a full-time job. And sometimes we feel like, you know, this is something that We question ourselves, like, am I doing this the right way? Am I doing this? And sometimes, you know, it it takes the time of of reflecting back and looking back at everything that you've already gone through and how all of that has shaped you and led you into the position and and into the the moment in your life where you're at. And so I really, you know, right away, um, you know, took a step back, reflected, and then, you know, told myself, you can do this. I mean, this is definitely an opportunity that was, you know, that you earned and you have every single, you know, every, every type of skill that is needed. And then all the other skills that you're gonna continue to learn as you are, you know, going through this, this this position and, you know, leading your team and, you know, it just takes, it takes that um, change of mindset. And so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a, a challenge, but
0: nothing that has not been rewarding in this new position. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I see you are currently a provisional in junior League of McAllen and currently going through the training process in Leadership McAllen. I think that's absolutely amazing. Can you share a little bit about how you decided to join these local organizations and what have you learned so far? Yes, of course. And
1: so. I'm very blessed that you are actually interviewing me because you are you are part of Junior League and I admire you. you You're so amazing, but yeah, I decided to join these two organizations because I feel like they're truly invested in just bettering our community as a whole. And you know, I'll start off with Junior League of McAllen. I think you know I think that Junior League is such a tremendous organization, and not only because. Of the fact that you know I worked with with you all um, before prior to, to, to joining as a provisional member, but um, you know working with you all at the food bank when you guys would come out and volunteer, and working also when you guys decided to to support the food bank with uh, you know financially making a financial contribution, and so having you know the opportunity to go and present to you all and let you all know what we were doing, I just saw how invested you guys were as an organization of tremendous women who are doers who are you know very visionary who wear so many hats so I was just like standing I mean I I was left speechless because I was like man these group of women are so tremendous and I'm not gonna lie at the very beginning I was just like oh god, these group of women are so intimidating in a good way like you hear their (laughs) roar and so i was just so in love with it and i remember telling libby um our coo at the time oh my god i can't wait to join junior league i'm super excited it's just not the right moment in my life um we were going through so much change at the the food bank with leadership and stuff like that so um and then you know my husband and i were gonna get married and stuff like that so i had so much going on so i said maybe this is not the right time but i know uh, within a year i'm gonna i'm gonna want to join and so I was super, super excited when I saw the post and it was time. I was like, I was like, this is a sign. Um, And so I was, I was really happy, but I think, you know, not only does, because generally, you know, brings up all these beautiful and, you know, talented and intelligent women from all different backgrounds. I really think that I love that it's just, it promotes that community service and, you know, that involvement and not only, you know, it's the mission, the mission that you, you know, Junior League has about food security and it just goes hand in hand with what the food bank is. And so I feel like it was a no question. And so, and I remember, and this is something that I, I included in my response, I remember seeing the yellow apron and saying, oh my God, I can't wait to one day wear that yellow apron and rock it and take a picture and be out <laughs> on the screen because those yellow aprons are so cute. But yeah, I'll I'll joke set aside. I really think that it's just a tremendous organization to be a part of. So I'm really honored to be a provisional member and I can't wait to be an active member and then have my daughters and whoever else I can recruit to be a part of this because truly it's an amazing organization. And I mean, it's been here at the Valley for more than eight decades and Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's perpetual. So I'm I'm really, really excited. And then with Leadership McAllen, you know, I was also crazy enough—not only am I joining Junior league, but I'm gonna also do leadership <laughs> at the same time. So, what was I thinking? Let me tell you. I think it's because um, I don't have a, a baby yet. I'm getting ready. I'm a, my husband and I are really excited to hopefully, you know, get pregnant soon. But I do have two beautiful stepsons, um, but they're barely reaching the teenage years, so they're not, just, you know, they're not—they're not they're on not their terrible twos or anything like that. So I was like, you know what? I think I can handle this. Um, and so I joined a uh, part of, you know, I, I became part of Leadership at Callen, And And um, so I'm part of their class 41. And so it's been truly amazing so far. I really have enjoyed being a part of every class. I mean, you are there for about six to seven hours. Um, but each class has a different purpose. And I feel like I've definitely gained so much insight of who, of what, Um, you know, has specifically contributed to the overall economic success of McAllen. And I've also gotten the opportunity to meet so many amazing uh, leaders in our community from all walks of life. I mean, we were talking about healthcare workers, bankers. Um, Roxanne Pacheco was actually in the class with me. She is very... um, I have so much respect for Roxanne. She's actually the executive director for uh, Hope Clinic. And so we work really well with the food bank with her. And so I admire her deeply. Um, and so she's in the class with me. And so, you know, we recently actually had the class last um, yesterday and we had so many, we had Renee a uh, Judge uh, Renee, and we had Judge Cortez and so many people just come in and like just talk about um, leadership in the Valley, their story, what led them and I feel like you really gained so much insight. So it's been it's been truly an honor to be a part of this class. And um, you know, I really feel like at the end of the day, being forming you know part of these organizations should never just be as a resume builder. You should never just say I'm going to join generally because it's going to look great here, or I'm going to do this because I'm going to leverage this and you know take this opportunity. Yes, to a certain extent, you should always make sure that you know you're, you're investing your time wisely. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a bigger picture because you're really developing yourself, and you, you know, not only, um, you know, is is to me personally, I feel juniorly, you're invested in, you know, making sure that you're doing community service in the community, you know, giving back, but you're also building long-lasting friendships, and I think that yeah. that just goes so much into your personal development and just really getting to know people that inspire you, people that motivate you, people that when, you know, things are not going so well are going to pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, it's okay, you can do this, we're here for you. And I really feel like that's, that's, that's the biggest investment that you can do.
0: Wow, great. That is amazing, um, Olivia, for sharing about that, about those two great organizations that we have here in the Rio Grande Valley. And as everybody, you can see, like I'm a junior leaguer as well, fellow leaguer. And with that being said, with your experience working with the local nonprofit organizations, could you share some advice for our future leaders who are thinking of joining the nonprofit sector? Absolutely.
1: And I feel like I, I during presentations that I give in schools and, and universities, I always talk about this. It's said nonprofit work does not set you up to be the hero. You know, we call our donors our hunger heroes because, I mean, they contribute to the overall mission. But, you know, you're not gonna be in the nonprofit just because you wanna be a hero. I mean, there's no playbook. There's a lot of hard work. And, you know, finding your niche comes from really understanding um, that your efforts are really making a big difference. And so, you know, you have a purpose. You wake up every morning and everything that you're gonna do is not only to make sure that you're doing what your job description is, but making sure that every action that you do is going to end up impacting a life. And so you have to know deep down that whatever program, whatever initiative, you know, whatever uh, kind of action that you're going to take at work, especially, you know, within a new initiative that you might want to implement, it's not just going to work, but it's it's going to impact thousands of people. And you want to make sure that it's the best decision um, because, every dollar has to have an overarching purpose. Every dollar for us, for example, provides five meals. And so we, within the nonprofit sector, you're always looking at stretching that dollar to ensure that, you know, you're being as efficient as possible, you know, and, and you build a career out of it because it's, You know, you do have very, very successful nonprofits and you have the very, very small nonprofits um, that sometimes they have a 60 to 40 ratio. And what I mean is that 60 60 cents out of every dollar that is donated or that is fundraised um, goes into actually, you know, providing that um, mission or that um, help. And then 40, per, 40 cents out of that dollar goes into administrative and any you know kind of additional collateral um, expense. And so I'm very proud to say that our food bank for the past eight years, we are at the 98% threshold. So what that means is that every out of every dollar that is donated to the food bank, 98 cents goes into providing a meal. And one cent goes into a uh, fuel. And the other send goes into into storage, and so we are as efficient as we can honestly be, and so we're very very proud to to have you know to continue to hold that that percentage, and so you know, and and I think at the end of the day, also, I never thought you know that I'd be working in a nonprofit organization, and but that's not to say that I never thought about it. I feel like my background, you know, I studied, uh, I went in for mass communications and political science. And so I remember starting off college, really excited, 18 year old. I want to be an investigative journalist.
0: I want to, you know,
1: be the voice for the people. I want to go out for big corporations and, you know, do this and this. And I want to be a voice for the community. I want to talk about like certain things that, you know, people don't talk about. And I was always really invested in the community, but I never thought that, you know, flashback forward, you know, years later, that I'd be working within the nonprofit sector and doing something that I am completely and irrevocably in love with. And so, but it, it does go hand in hand with the political science as part of it and the mass comm of it. Because what we're doing right now with the food bank, it's, there's so much that people don't really know that happens behind the scenes. And that's where the development department really gets to tell the story. And so I feel honestly, you know, to, to, to tell you in my deepest feeling that I feel like I am really putting in that journalism because we're storytellers. The development department is us. We, we tell the story of what, of the journey of, you know, what a food bank means for the community. And I feel, you know, that the pandemic has definitely been that, um, not necessarily so much a blessing in disguise, but it has given us that platform and that ability to have people be more invested in what food banks really are, because you know, food banks throughout the nation are so successful. We're part of the Feeding America organization, so there's a total of 200 Feeding America organizations nationwide. In the state of Texas, there's a total of 21 food banks. Um, we are the sixth largest in, te- in Texas, and we are the 27th largest in the nation. And so, our numbers are up there and you know, would you say that our community per se knows that unless they worked with us, you know, probably not. We need to do an even better job at, you know, communicating that and, and letting people really understand how, you know, we work because we've served the community for the past, you know, yeah. now 37 years, but it, there's still so much that we want to do. And I, you know, and I'll leave, you know, I'll end this, this question with this we just you know we're, we're thinking very innovatively so we just launched this beautiful new program called our kids produce markets and so we are going to underserved um, elementary schools throughout the Rogeny Valley and we are actually setting up a little uh, market a uh, kids produce market and so we're setting up like fruits and vegetables and it's tr- it's so amazing and if you know anybody wants more information about how they can volunteer because we are, Uh, We do take volunteers for those. So you do have to show up at the elementary school, have your ID the way that you would as a visitor, and you actually help us provide those, those fresh fruits and fresh vegetables to these kids. And, you know, one of the reasons why I share this is because, you know, it goes way beyond somebody donating a can. And I feel like that's the message that most people think, oh, you know, we'll do a food drive, we'll donate a couple of cans in the food bank on Thanksgiving, and then that's it. But there's just so much more that the food bank does, so many programs. I mean, we provide school supplies to students. And so that's where, again, it goes back to, you know, that advice that I would give anybody, any future leader that is interested in joining the nonprofit sector. Always think innovatively. Think, you know, ahead and think of why your mission is important. And never make it about yourself, but make it about the client or the the person that you're going to be impacting. Because, if you don't have a person that you're going to be impacting you have no purpose and if you have no purpose you have no nonprofit. you have no reason to exist and so that's you know that's really much what I would really share um and honestly it's, it's such a beautiful feeling I, I come home sometimes and I tell my husband I'm like you know this happened to me today and I just went into my office and I, you know, cried of happiness. And he was just <laughs> like, "Are you on?" Your, he was like, "Are you on your period? Are you <laughs> menstruating?" i like, "No, I'm not." But it was just so hard I mean, like heartfelt. I mean, the story, this and this, and he was just like, "Okay, okay, Olivia." Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a very rewarding experience.
0: Wow. Yeah, completely rewarding. And thank you for sharing. That's amazing advice, amazing outlook towards it. And with that being said, with everything, you know, from learning about your nonprofit experience, joining local organizations, and I'm more than sure so many events that you need to attend. How do you stay motivated? Is there any activity to help you kind of reset, reconnect, kind of get a breather?
1: Yes, of course. Well, you know, I love I love to run. Um, but I also love to meditate and read. Um, I feel like also making sure that you're always active, whether it's just walking, um, and so, you know, doing something that gets you moving um, really helps you, especially release any additional stress. But I feel like one of the biggest ways that I stay motivated and, and you know, stay inspired is I love to read. I'm, I'm one of those. I'm very like, I have like this old soul. So, um, I remember thinking back, I'm like, when I get married, I can't wait, because I remember one of the uh, Sex and the City episodes where Big is reading his book with his glasses. I'm like, I can't wait for my husband iTunes to, to see if we're gonna read. But now we find ourselves watching, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Um, we watch Fixer Upper and stuff like that. But one of the biggest things that I love to do is I love to read. One of my author, favorite authors is um, Brené Brown. Um, she's actually an author uh, out of Houston. And I love her book uh, Dare to Lead. It's still one of my favorite books to date, and I love what she shares about vulnerability. Um, it's just so inspiring, and I feel like, especially in, in moments of doubt, in moments of you know feeling like you know, you're being perhaps you know you're, you're thinking that you're being too weak, and in a certain situation, it's not. And so I really love to you know read her books. She really, really helps me stay inspired and stuff like that. So if you've never picked up a book from her, definitely recommend, she's amazing. And um, I also used the Peloton that I gave my husband for his anniversary gift. Our first one year anniversary. <laughs> it's hilarious. Was like, <laughs> you know what they say that when you're in love, you gain like 15 pounds? Yeah. <laughs> We've been talking about that. We're like, I think we both gained like 20 pounds after Aww. getting married. <laughs> so he's been ta- he was talking about he used to do a lot of cycling. And he'd go Aww. to these classes in the morning. So he'd wake up at 5 a.m. and stuff like that. I was like, oh, yeah, back when you were single, right? So what about me? I want to do that. Um, And so just to keep him motivated and stuff like that, he was always like, I think I'm going to get the Peloton. I think I'm going to get it. And so finally I said, you know what? I'm going to get it for him. So I got it for him, but of course I use it. But I use my Peloton to also keep me very active and stuff like that. And I do want to start doing yoga. I think I mentioned that to you already, Maritza. Yeah. Um, Because I did hear that there's a beautiful and amazing instructor on North 10th. And so I want to definitely give it a try. Well, thank Um, you. Hopefully I, I try it soon. That's definitely a part of my resolutions for 2022. So definitely keep that on my list. <laughs> but yeah,
0: that's, that's pretty much what I do to keep myself motivated and just, you know, active. That's awesome. And yes, you're more than welcome to visit this beautiful instructor and we'll be more than happy to help you de-stress, reset and reconnect. So lastly, if you could give advice to your 18 year old self, what would you tell her?
1: I think that that's just such an amazing, um, but I feel open-ended question because, you know, as you get older, you, as you continue to gain more insight in life and, you know, you reflect back on that stage in your life, you wish you could tell yourself so many things. But I really feel like one of the biggest things that I would tell myself back when I was 18 was that other people's opinions, you know, are, are just a reflection of their own limitations and boundaries. You will never, ever please everyone. And I think that back when I was eighteen, I was just so worried about, you know, what this person thought. And, and not in the sense of me personally. I, I, I thought myself. I've always been a big, um, not a, in a bad way, like an overachiever, where I was like, okay, I want to do this, I want to do that, and I want to do this, like. And I'm wasting time. And I was just so hard on myself, always thinking that I had to keep going, keep going. What do you do next? What do you know? And I was always so focused on making sure that other people um, were, you know, thinking of me in a positive way, and in the sense that, oh, she's working hard. She's working hard. And again, it, it goes back to my upbringing of my parents always saying, "You work hard. You, you're gonna do this." And you know, college wasn't an option college was not a choice it's you're gonna go to college because you know that that is um is going to be it's going to open up so many opportunities for you i really feel like you know i would tell myself or tell her to focus on on myself and and to manifest her dreams and goals without just a single ounce of doubt and then again and to own everything that you know you do and and to everything that you say to people um, has to mean something and don't you know how people say they how they say, say what you mean and do what you say. I'm not I'm not quite sure if I'm saying it correctly, but always make sure that what you tell people, that you own up to it and you want to make sure that you the words that are coming out of you are intentional and are authentic and that you want to make sure that you know you are sharing it. Like if you if you think something of of someone in a positive way, make sure you tell them, make sure you you remind them how amazing they are, you know, and not shy away from that. So I really feel like having that opportunity and that goes back to you too, you know, manifesting what you want to do, your dreams and your goals and making sure that you, you hold yourself accountable for it. Like, Hey, you know, you wanted to do this. um, Why aren't you doing it? And what is it going to take you to get there? And Um, surrounding yourself with people that, you know, will support that and will push you. But I think the last thing that I would also tell my 18-year-old self is that if in doubt, always be grateful and be grateful every single day because practicing gratitude is definitely an exercise that, you know, rewires our brain and it helps us focus on the really good stuff. And there's a lot of good stuff that happens. And I feel like, me personally, I'm the kind of person that sees the glass half full versus half empty. And I really feel like there's always something that you can be grateful for. And it's one of the best ways to kind of shift that negative mindset. Um, And I'll give you a perfect example of that. You know, sometimes uh, on me on a personal level, it's easy for us to say, Oh, man, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to a chance to do that and I didn't get a chance to do this and oh, you know, you put yourself down And but at the same time it was a great day because you're alive and you're not sick, you know, especially now with the pandemic, there's so many things that we can be grateful for such as us being healthy and our families being healthy and, and just having an opportunity to, you know, keep on living another day, you know, some people don't have that and and it's again, it's the bigger picture but also being grateful that you made it safely to work, you know, that nobody crashed into you. And again, it's like those small little things that you think about. And, you know, I I always try to make sure that I tell myself, you know, remember all of the incredible things that have have already happened to you. um, And that continue to happen to you. So don't focus on those bad things because they're only momentarily, they're only as bad as you make them. You know, sometimes they're not going to be there forever, and so just be grateful, grateful for the the opportunity to just live another day, and um, you know, have a multitude of different blessings. And so, I feel like that's what I would definitely share to my 18-year-old self.
0: Wow. Thank you, what an amazing advice, Olivia. As you can tell, I was blown away in several moments in our conversation of this vital information and services the food bank RDB provides for the community and amazing partnership from our nonprofit organizations. Thank you so much, Olivia, for doing this. And I am so glad you were able to be our guest. And thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of the Mojeras in the No podcast. It's Maritza here, your guest host. Until next time, stay safe out there. Adios, goodbye, and talk to y'all soon.